Church, what adjectives would you use to describe your faith? I want you to take a moment and to actually consider that question. Think in your mind about the attributes that you would use to describe your life of faith. My guess is that there are a lot of different answers that are swirling around in our collective heads this morning. But I would also guess that boldness is not one of the adjectives that's on the top of the list in many of our minds. Or at least it wouldn't have been before our kids' engagement about boldness this morning. I know that it wouldn't have been in mine. But this morning, I want to suggest to you that it should be. And that it can be. And so we're going to talk about both why and how. Today we're jumping back into uh, the lectionary readings, uh, which in this season has us working our way through the ends of the Gospel of Matthew and Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians. And in our, our New Testament reading this morning, we heard Paul give a description of his ministry among the Thessalonians, which in his own words he described as a ministry of gospel boldness. And so as we look at this passage this morning, I want us to think about the importance of gospel boldness in our uh, life of faith, what it looks like, why it's essential, and how we can obtain it. And so if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to open it uh, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, as we consider the boldness of Paul's gospel ministry among the church in Thessalonica. And to begin this morning, uh, I, wanna, I want us to consider uh, what Paul's bold gospel ministry actually looked like. Uh, what, he, what did he do among them, and why was it bold? And there are three aspects of Paul's ministry among the Thessalonians, which fall into varying categories of boldness that I want to highlight. The first of those is found in verse 2, where Paul says to the church, But though we had already suffered... And been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. And so here Paul is, is pointing back to the ministry that he and Silas carried out, both in Philippi and in Thessalonica, where they proclaimed the gospel in the face of great opposition. These accounts are, are recorded in Acts chapter 16 and Acts chapter 17. In, in Acts 16, Paul was in Philippi where he boldly declared the gospel in a number of different settings. In, in verse 13, he sought out a place of prayer where he knew that spiritually sensitive people would be. And he told them about Jesus. In verses 16 through 40, he ministered boldly in Jesus' name in order to set a slave girl free from a spirit of divination. Which led to Paul being beaten with rods and being thrown into prison. While he was in prison, he continued to boldly proclaim the gospel, singing hymns and praying while he was imprisoned, and ministering to the jailer who was afraid for his life after an earthquake had shook the foundations of the prison. Likewise, in Acts chapter 17, Paul boldly proclaimed the gospel when he came to Thessalonica. 
In verses 1 through 9, we see him showing up at a Jewish synagogue to tell the Jews about Jesus. Which caused some of the Jews who were jealous of Paul to rouse a mob of wicked men who sought to harass and extort Paul and his friends. This type of thing happened over and over and over again throughout Paul's ministry. And it's probably the classic and and most obvious example of boldness that marked his ministry. Being willing to proclaim the good news of what God has done through Jesus despite the possibility and maybe even the probability of persecution that he would face as a result. Paul boldly proclaimed the gospel in the midst of much conflict. But there are other aspects of Paul's ministry that exhibited boldness as well. And we see that in verses 3 through 6 of 1 Thessalonians 2. But where Paul reminded the church that his appeal to them, his ministry among them, that it did not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive, but that just as he had been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so they spoke not to please man, but to please God. For they never came with words of flattery, nor with a pretext for greed, nor did they seek glory from people. Though they could have demanded or they could have made demands as apostles of Christ. And while this may not be the type of thing that we normally attribute to boldness, it certainly requires a form of it. And the confidence that is required and the courage that it takes to spend all of your life glorifying God with the possibility of gaining nothing in return. Paul came to the Thessalonians seeking nothing for himself, asking nothing in return, seeking only to glorify God, not fame for himself. He didn't flatter them by telling them what they wanted to hear so that they would like him. He didn't take advantage of his authority and use it to manipulate them for his own benefit. And even though he could have rightly and justly demanded their support, he didn't. Instead, for the sole purpose of glorifying God and for the good of the Thessalonians, he boldly entrusted himself fully to God's care over him and provision for him. That takes boldness and courage to believe that God will come through for you and that he will provide for you. The final way that we see Paul's boldness in his ministry among the Thessalonians is in his relational vulnerability towards them. And we see this in verse 7 and 8 of our passage this morning, where where Paul says that we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. And again, this may not typically be what we think about when we when we talk about boldness, when we think about boldness in ministry. Right. Gentleness and boldness aren't usually paired together in our world. But think about the courage that it takes to entrust yourself to another person relationally, to allow them to really know you and to see you. Not just when you're up front and teaching, but when you're behind the scenes as well. When you let your hair down and they can see the real you, warts and all. That takes courage. 
We see a similar engagement from Paul with the church in Corinth, which was a church that was very critical of him and not really accepting of him. And yet still, we're told that Paul spoke freely to them and opened wide his heart towards them. He held nothing of himself back. Tim Keller once said, in the context of a, a greater argument, he said that being known and not loved is our greatest human fear. Opening yourself up to the vulnerability of someone actually knowing you and then possibly rejecting you based on what they see, that takes tremendous courage. In his ministry, Paul demonstrated this type of boldness in his relational vulnerability. And so when we take a step back and consider Paul's ministry among the Thessalonians in all of these areas, his proclamation, his purpose among them, and his personal relationships with them, in all of these areas, he exhibits a profound boldness in his ministry. Each of these aspects of his ministry takes a kind of courage to carry out. And while we may look at Paul and and think, well, that's just what is expected of him, right? He was an apostle. He had a a direct mission from Jesus to the church. He was the the leader of the Gentile church. We might expect it from Paul and assume that, that he's just different somehow. But the truth of the matter is, isn't this what's required of all gospel ministry? Isn't this type of boldness required of you and of me as well? I mean, think about what we're called to as followers of Jesus. In our gospel lesson this morning out of Matthew chapter 22, Jesus summarized the laws of God into two great commandments. That we love the Lord our God with all of our heart and with all of our soul and with all of our mind. And that we love our neighbors as ourselves. This church is our direct mission from Jesus. This is what he calls us to do. And have you ever thought about the boldness that it takes to actually do that? If we're going to love God with all of our hearts, that means we have to say no to every lesser love that exists. You know the boldness and the courage and the strength that it takes to say no to all of the lesser loves that clamor for attention and priority in our lives? To deny ourselves what we think we love and what we often feel like we love in order to give our heart to the one that we're called to truly love? That takes boldness. Or what about loving the Lord with all of our soul? Have you ever considered the boldness that it takes to do that? To take the very essence of who you are and to entrust it fully to another? To someone you can't even see or technically even prove is real? To say that my life is not my own, I'm giving up control of it and I'm entrusting it to you, God. That takes boldness and courage to actually do that. The same is true of loving the Lord with all of our minds. It takes great boldness to love God with all of our minds, especially 
when we may not understand or even agree with all of God's ways of doing things. To set aside what we may believe is right or best or what society may believe is right or best in order to submit to what God says is right and best takes great courage and boldness and inner strength. As does loving your neighbor as yourself for all the same reasons that we talked about with Paul and his sharing of life with those that he ministered to. Following the Lord in the way that he calls us to and his commands to us takes great courage and boldness. To faithfully live the Christian life requires it of all who follow after Jesus. So the question for us becomes, where does this type of courage come from? It's easy to to, to read about Paul in the Bible and to read the letters that he wrote in the churches and to just assume that he was born with it, that it came naturally to him, that there was some innate character trait that Paul possessed and that maybe that's why God called him. But that isn't the case at all. And in fact, it may be the exact opposite. For there are passages in 1 Corinthians where Paul admits that he showed up at the church and that when he was with them, he was there in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And there were other times when Paul acknowledged that his reputation among the churches was that his letters were weighty and strong, but that his bodily presence was weak and his speech was of no account. Paul was not an impressive figure to whom boldness came naturally. In fact, on multiple occasions, the Lord had to encourage Paul not to be afraid in the midst of the conflict and the opposition that he faced. Paul was just an ordinary man with all of the same fears and insecurities that we struggle with. So where did his boldness come from? It's interesting to note that the terms bold or boldness occur 28 different times in the scriptures. And every one of those occurrences that had to do with living a life of faith boldly, which is 24 of the 28 occurrences, every one of those occur in the New Testament. And of those occurrences that have to do with boldness in our faith, half of them are found in one particular book. The book of Acts, with the other examples coming after the book of Acts and as a result of what occurred in the book of Acts. Do you remember what that was? You know what happens in the book of Acts? It's all about how God sent his Holy Spirit to live inside of his disciples in order that they might have power from above to be witnesses for Jesus to the ends of the earth. This is the source of our boldness and faith. It comes from God and not from us. Paul wasn't inherently bold in his faith. He was physically unimpressive and emotionally scared. And he he hid behind his credentials and his pedigree and the power of the Jewish synagogue until the Holy Spirit got a hold of him. And then he went from being persecutor of the church to being willing to be persecuted leader within the church because he spoke boldly in the name of Jesus. 
His boldness came from above, from without. He says as much in his passage this morning. In verse 2, he notes that we had boldness in our God. It wasn't about Paul. And it didn't come from Paul. It was all the work of the Spirit. It was a boldness from God and not from himself. The same is true of the other disciples. Think of Peter, who ran away from Jesus and who denied even knowing Jesus on the night that Jesus was crucified. And yet in the book of Acts, just 50 some days later, Peter amazes people with his boldness as he preached the message of salvation in Jesus in the face of great persecution. In Acts chapter 4, verse 13, we read that the leaders of the Jews saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were ordinary, uneducated men. And they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. The presence of Jesus' spirit in one's life takes ordinary and uneducated people and gives them a boldness in their witness and a courage in their faith that simply cannot be explained in any other way. It happened to Paul. It happened to Peter. It's happened to saints throughout the history of the church. And it's possible for you and for me as well. And the reason that this is so important, the reason that it matters that we are bold in our faith, is that this is what allows us to do the ministry which God calls us to do so effectively. Look back at verse 1 of our New Testament reading this morning. Paul began this description of his ministry among the Thessalonians by reminding them, You yourselves know, brothers and sisters, that our coming to you was not in vain. Paul says that you know that our ministry among you was not ineffective. It was not without results. Said positively, God did great things among you through our ministry. God used the boldness of Paul's preaching in the synagogue in Thessalonica to cause a number of Jews and a great many devout Greeks to believe in Jesus. God used the boldness of Paul's selflessness in ministry to validate the purity of the gospel message among the Thessalonians. They saw that Paul had nothing to gain from his ministry and that it was all and only for the glory of God. And God used the boldness of Paul's relational vulnerability among them to earn him a hearing within their community. If Paul hadn't been willing to to share the, the good news of the gospel due to the prospect of persecution, they wouldn't have heard and they couldn't have responded. If Paul had somehow been benefiting from his ministry among them, they may have been skeptical and seen him as just another religious salesman. If Paul had been aloof, And kept them at arm's distance. They may not have listened. But the Spirit of God gave Paul the ability to speak boldly. And to minister selflessly. And to love personally and generously. And God used it to his great glory. And he'll do the same with us also. Can you imagine, church... 
If we had enough boldness in God to speak openly and freely and often of the joy and the peace and the healing and the forgiveness and the reconciliation that we've experienced in our life with Jesus to our friends and to our neighbors and to our co-workers. Not being worried if they think we're foolish or reject our beliefs or if, if there were consequences to our conversations. What might God do if we spoke with that kind of boldness? Can you imagine if we had enough boldness in God to entrust ourselves completely into His care and to His provision for our lives? Never using anyone or manipulating anyone for our own gain, but loving them freely for God's glory and for their good. Can you imagine if we had enough boldness in God to open up our lives and our families and our homes and our dinner tables to the community around us? Loving people enough to really share our lives with them? What might God do? Can you imagine if we were bold enough in God and His care for us to love Him with all of our hearts, with all of our soul? With all of our mind. If we loved our neighbors as ourselves. What would our lives look like? What would our neighbors hear about God and see of God through our lives? What if we had a boldness in God to simply take a step of faith and do the things that he's called us to do? What might God do with our lives live boldly, trusting in him and his power Working through us. Realizing it's not about us. But it's all about Him. I don't know how exactly God would work through that. But there's one thing that I do know. That our effort in those labors would not be in vain. God would be at work. For His glory. And for our good. And so let's ask him to do that. Throughout the book of Acts, church, the church, when they recognized that they needed boldness in God, they asked him. They regularly prayed to God for it. And God faithfully gave it to them over and over and over again. Last week, we... We're reminded in the confirmation service that God loves to give his spirit to his people when they ask him. And that God is generous with his spirit. He loves to give himself to us in greater measure and degree and awareness. And so church, would you join me in praying for boldness of God in our lives and in our witness right now? Father in heaven, we thank you. For your great love for us. Most profoundly shown through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And for our adoption as your sons and daughters because of him and his work on our behalf. Father, we thank you for the love. For the forgiveness. For the peace and for the joy and for the reconciliation. And for the life that is truly life. Which you have given us through your son. And we pray, God, that you would give us a boldness. The boldness of your spirit 
to share that love with the world to which you've sent us. God, may we be bold in our proclamations to speak of the goodness of Jesus and of your love for us and for the world through him. God, may we be bold in our entrusting ourselves to you, not feeling like we need to manipulate or gain from or benefit, but may we lay our lives down and give ourselves away boldly and freely in ministry to you. And God, may we... May we be bold to open up our lives, to share ourselves relationally, to to invite people in. Not anxious of what they think of us or whether or not they'll receive us, but knowing that we are beloved. May we be generous with our lives. And God, would you use these things in our lives? Would you make these efforts uh, not to be in vain, but would you accomplish your purposes in us and through us, by the work of your Holy Spirit who you give to us. God, strengthen us and equip us to do this, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.